singing, but go ahead and say hello to someone around you.
Good morning. Welcome to North Star. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you guys want to have a seat, um, we're going to take up our offering here in just a moment. And if you're a member here, um, this is a time for you to give back what God has so graciously given to us. And if you're a guest here, don't feel obligated to give today. Um, we're so thankful that you've joined us today. And um, as we prepare, I just want to share uh, a verse to you that I read this week that just really um, encouraged me. Psalm 84, starting in verse 5, said, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of death, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And what stood out to me is they go from strength to strength. And just the, how much I know I have to rely on God's strength in my own life. And, um, you know, life is hard. And you may be in a place where uh, you need the Lord's strength. I think we're always, we always need to rely on his strength. But I just want to encourage you as we continue to worship and hear from God's word today to, to depend on his strength this morning. If you're, if you're in a hard place, um, just to depend on his strength as we sing to find that a source of his strength as we hear from the word today, to find that a source of his strength and to let him take you from his strength to his next strength, to his next strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that we get to rely on you. God, that our hope is in you, our trust is in you. God, thank you for being our strength. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for rescuing us. God, thank you that we get to come before you this morning and worship. God, speak to us as the service continues. God, I pray that you would take what we're faithful to give and just bless it, God. Use it for your glory to further your kingdom. Lord, just be with those leading through this service, God, and just speak to each one of our hearts. Amen.
your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises, my in you, that we would trust in your faithfulness, that you are good, that you will not leave us where we're at. Lord, we love you. Sing this with me.
Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We're good? 
couple things before we begin. We're gonna we're we're still in First John, so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you that you do, uh, we're gonna pick back up where we left off last week in chapter one. Before we do, a couple things I want to mention. One is uh, vision night tonight in Sotillo uh, at our Sotillo campus. Pastor T, he's gonna be sharing a uh, vision that he feels like the Lord is leading us as a church, specifically in reaching people with the gospel. How it looks like for us practically to live out the Great Commission in our community. So I hope you'll join us for that at 6, uh, six o'clock this evening. Uh, it won't be more than an hour, but it'll be a sweet time to hear and, and be encouraged in through the Great Commission and the call that the Lord has placed on each of our lives as believers. Uh, and then also, uh, man, we've got just a sweet family in our church who's really struggling, and I hope that you would pray for them. Uh, the, the Marshall family, their grandson was born a few weeks ago, and he's been in Labonner ever since. And so I want to encourage you to, to join us and to just be praying for them and uh, sweet little Baron and his life. And he's just holding on. And uh, that the Lord would, would move and, and, and work and answer the prayers that they've had for them and, and their life. We know that the Lord is faithful and that He's good. Uh, and we're just asking that the Lord will continue in that for His glory. But then also, I would ask that you pray uh, for our country, in the, especially in the Texas and Louisiana area, uh, as the, the hurricane is, is coming through. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, there are two slides on the front page, and one of them, if you click on the slide, will take you to the North American Mission Board, and you can donate. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to give to the Sin Relief uh, the past couple weeks uh, through the North American Mission Board uh, have been preparing and have just been waiting to send people uh, with relief efforts uh, through the North American Mission Board. But then also there's another slide that will take you to um, some information of how you can donate to Eight Days of Hope. They're, they're at the same uh, waiting game, just waiting to send uh, relief efforts uh, to those who have lost their homes and and, and hopefully not their families, but uh, have been just displaced because of the storms. Uh, Eight Days of Hope is going to be set up at the Bankrupt South Arena tomorrow from 7 to 6 through Wednesday. Uh, and if you click on that link, there's a couple of different items that you can donate if that's something that the Lord is leading you to do. And they're going to be set up at the Bankrupt South Center over the next couple of days that you can uh, contribute to. And also, if you're free, if you have the freedoms to go and participate and serve uh, Eight Days of Hope, uh, eventually they'll be posting on their website opportunities uh, as they come available for you. Um, but... As we begin, uh, the last couple of weeks we've looked at this idea of examining our life in First Corinth or Second Corinthians, chapter thirteen, verses five. Paul writes, and he says, "If I can get there, he says, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith." He says, "Examine to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves." Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? And this is kind of the overarching theme that we see in 1 John, that, that John is writing to these churches in and around Ephesus to, to give them confidence and boldness that they've believed in the gospel. Now, now walk in boldness and obedience to his commands. And, and Paul is just, he's saying, examine, look at your life to see if there's fruit. But he also says, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And so as we examine our lives, and I'm praying through these, these messages that we would take a moment to sit back and to look and examine the condition of our heart to see if we are in the faith. And if we are, I want to encourage you to walk boldly in obedience to the gospel. And if not, that you would respond to the gospel and the call of salvation for your life, that you would believe and have faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And so last week we looked at the first part of the first chapter, and we one indication uh, of, uh, of life in Christ is fellowship with the Lord, and then also fellowship with other believers. This, is, this communicates to us that if we have fellowship with one another and with the Lord, that we're real, that we're in the faith, and then also... Uh, that we have indeed repented of our sins and believed in the name of Jesus. Uh, and this morning we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 5. And it's, uh, we, 
it's easy for us to say that we have fellowship, that we say that, we, that we're believers. It's another thing to live it out. Um, we're good at talking. We're good at, uh, at, at telling stories. And, uh, but let's be good about the living and the abiding and the, the, the walking in, in righteousness. And we're going to look at some, some of that this morning. So if you're, if you're with me, let's, let's begin. We're going to start in verse 5 and then we'll um, go on into the next chapter. It says, this is the message we have heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. For whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So before we look at this, as I normally do, let's pray and we'll walk through this together. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've given this to us, that we are able to, to glean and, 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 and know uh, what you've called us to do and how you've called us to live. Lord, thank you for the grace that you've given us. Lord, I pray for Baron, Lord, for his life, that you'd strengthen him, strengthen his body. Lord, work a miracle in their lives, be with their family. Lord, we love them, and uh, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, be there and put your hand on him. Lord, for those who are uh, affected by these storms, uh, Lord, that you would be with them. Lord, send teams, Lord, send people to in relief, and Lord, rebuild uh, those communities. Lord, we love you, and Lord, as we we hear from you today, Lord. Give us clarity and wisdom to live out the things that you've called us to do as we look at your scripture together. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. So this morning, let's go back to verse 5, and we'll just walk through this, if that's okay. Verse 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him. John talking to the churches. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him, there's no darkness at all. Well, it's, it's important that we understand what this is talking about, that God is light. What is light? What is darkness? And I think it's kind of easy to, to conclude that the darkness is, is the evil, the world of evil and unbelief that leads to death and judgment. And, and John, uh, Jesus is ha- records a conversation that Jesus has with John the Baptist in John chapter 3. And Jesus tells, um, not John the Baptist, excuse me, Nicodemus. And John tells Nicodemus that the light has come into the world. Talking about himself, that light has come into the world. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. But men loved darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. The darkness that he's referring to is the world of evil and unbelief that leads to death and judgment. What is the light? Well, it says God is the light. And we know from a physical example that light pushes back darkness. I don't know if y'all were around last week during the eclipse and maybe you got disappointed. I don't know where you were in that. But obviously the light overcomes darkness because it never got dark once here around us. I don't know, maybe you traveled to Nashville, different parts where it got dim, but you could still see, right? The effects of the sun was, were still there because anytime uh, there's darkness and light comes in to, the, when light comes in, it pushes back darkness. And this is what he's referring to. And he says that God is the light. So the only way that evil uh, is pushed back in this world is through the light and the message of 
Jesus Christ, the gospel. And we, children of, of God, those who put their faith in him are, have, have been adopted into the fellowship of the body of Christ are called children of the light. So we have this obligation, we have this responsibility not to cover up the light, not to put it under a bushel, but to put it on a stand and push back darkness in our community. We live in a world that's evil. We live in a world that distorts the gospel and uses the name of Jesus as a way to hate others and to hate their brothers and sisters. The Bible clearly tells them that those who walk in darkness do not have the truth. But the only way that we can prevail in this world of evilness is the light of Jesus Christ. And the message that John is proclaiming to the churches here. In this letter is that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And there's hope in that. We, America needs to hear this hope that we have of, of the gospel that God is light and he's pushing back darkness. In this world, there's nothing that's going to last but the word of God. And it's important that we understand that. But then also the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16 that he's going to build the church and nothing, not even hell can prevail against the church. And so that's good news for us. Because we're, we make up the church. But that also gives us the responsibility to stand in light of injustice in the world. When there's hatred going on in our community. When there's hatred going on across the country. As, as a believer, as a follower of a Christ, we can't just look away. We just can't turn our back and, and turn a blind eye and say, well, it's, it's, I can't do anything about it. We are children of the light, and as children of the light, and as light pushes back darkness, we have the responsibility to put that light on the stand for all the world to display. We have that responsibility, and we can't retreat. We can't back down from this. Martin Luther King says, darkness cannot push out darkness. Only light can. Love, uh, hate cannot push back hate. Only love can. We have the love of Christ in us, and we can't stand idly by while our brothers and sisters are hurting across the world when we have the truth of the gospel in us we have the responsibility we have that responsibility to express that genuine love that the Lord has shown us this is, this is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all and that's children of the light We've got to stand up for injustices. We've got to stand up when people are being discriminated against, when people are being wrongfully, when there's so much hate in the world, we've got to be that light. And in verse 6, uh, through the, the rest of this passage, John uh, sets his discourse and he describes a couple different people. He describes unbelievers. He describes spiritual people who do not know God. And we know this, and the reason why I say spiritual is because of the terms he uses. And there's a couple phrases that I want to really camp out on in verses 6 and verse 8. And uh, verse 6 it says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So this is describing a spiritual person who is not a believer. All right? And the phrase here is, is the, uh, the phrase that, one phrase that I want to point out is that it says, if we say we have fellowship, the phrase is that we still walk in darkness. All right? Somebody claiming to have fellowship with the Lord, but still walks in darkness. If there is an unbroken pattern of sin in your life, but you're claiming to be a, a Christian, you're claiming to have fellowship with God, but there's an unbroken pattern of sin in your life, it says you still walk in darkness. It says that you're a liar. John is calling you out. He's like, you can't claim Jesus, but continue in your sin. It says if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If there's the dominant characteristic of you is sin, there's no way you can claim fellowship with the Father because that is not who He is. 
couple reasons why, and, and, and I want us to, I, I, I was looking at this and preparing for this, and I'm, I'm asking the question, how is this possible? How can somebody claim Jesus but continue to walk in darkness? One reason is because somebody who believes but doesn't repent. We understand what repentance is, and, and I'm going to break it down in a few moments, but uh, Jesus said uh, that the two things, the two requirements of salvation that Jesus preached was to believe and repent. So how can somebody claim Jesus and continue to walk in darkness if they've believed in the gospel and repented? Repent, we understand, is, the, is a change of heart. It's a turning direction. If you look, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, and you probably wouldn't know if I mispronounced it, so I want to just try to pronounce it anyway. The Greek term for repent is metaneo and it's got two, two phrases there. In the second part, noeo means uh, our, it's, it's, it's the mind, it's the, it's the different, um, it's the perceptions, the, the, the thoughts and the attitudes in your mind. But the prefix meta means to change. So when we put those together, it it's, means to experience a change of the mind's perceptions, the purposes and thoughts. All right, that's what repentance means. It's an internal change. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is, is preaching and he's preparing, he's making preparations for Jesus to come. And in verse 8, he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And then he gives, a, gives an example. He says, whoever has two tunics is to share with them who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. And so what, what John the Baptist is preaching, he's preaching a message of repentance, but he's saying bear fruit in that repentance. See, the repentance is the change of heart. It's the change of behavior that leads to good deeds. And he says, Look, whoever has two tunics is to share with him one. Because of the repentance, because of the change of heart, it leads to a life of obedience and, and love and, and walking in paths of righteousness. And so John is saying that someone who is claiming fellowship, somebody who is claiming to have turned from their sin, who's, who have had that internal change of heart and mind, perceptions and, 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 and purposes, does not continue to walk in darkness. It doesn't happen. Somebody who has the Holy Spirit inside of them, who has re who truly repented, believed in the gospel, and has that internal change of heart, does not continue in the walk in walking in darkness. It says in verse seven, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. It's one reason how people can claim to have Jesus in their life but continue to walk in darkness is because they really haven't believed in a full gospel. They, haven't, they, they may have believed in some of the truths of the gospel, but they haven't really fully repented and had that change of heart that leads to a different lifestyle, that leads to a new behavior, a new nature. The second reason it's because it's familiar. And I think this is something that we can all, for the most part, relate to here in the South, that most of us have probably, for the most part, heard about Jesus or the message of Jesus and been around church for most of our lives. I've been around church, and so it's, it's familiar to me. And so we know the lingo. We know the language. And even though that uh, we, we know about God, we still haven't um, confessed or, or believed for uh, the name of Jesus. And so it says in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship while we continue in darkness, it says we're liars. So I want to encourage you to evaluate your, your, yourself and your heart to see the condition. Now, turn with me to, to chapter 3 because he continues on the same subject. Chapter 3, verse 4, he says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. God has a righteous standard, a holy requirement 
And because of our sin, we can't meet that expectation. We can't meet that requirement of the law. It says sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away the sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. This is the same thing he says in chapter 1. He says no one who has had that change, that internal change of heart continues in sinning no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him little children let no one deceive you whoever practices righteousness he is righteous as he is righteous what is righteousness righteousness is the condition of the heart that's acceptable to god it's what allows us to be near god what makes us righteous what makes us be able to stand before god is the grace of god through faith that's the only thing that allows us to stand righteous. And it says whoever practices righteousness, what is practicing righteousness? It's keeping the commands of God. We are righteous by grace through faith. We practice righteousness by obedience to the commands of Jesus. And he says in verse 8, he says, whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil. Now, remember, he's writing this to believers so they can know the difference between those who are uh, lost and those who are saved to give them confidence to to walk in boldness and so in verse 8 he said he, he says whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil he says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed his spirit abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God look it's obvious who the sons of God are who the sons of the devil are sometimes we don't like to to make this uh to to say talk about this word judgment you know a lot of especially the world says only God can judge me but he says, look, you, can sh you should be able to tell by their life. Look at verse 10. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. This is it. He says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. In John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he gives them a similar illustration of being connected to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you're connected to the vine. So somebody who is bearing fruit, somebody who is practicing righteousness is evident that they're of God. You can look at their life. You should be able to look at your own life and see whether you are in the faith because of the fruit. Now, the repentance, obedience to the commands of Christ does not mean you have repented. Understand the order here. Repentance happens first. It's an internal change of the heart that leads to the fruit of repentance, which is obedience to the command of Christ. So we go back to chapter 1, and the first phrase that we've seen is that those who claim to have fellowship with God, those who claim that fellowship but continue to walk in darkness, this is a spiritual person who is an unbeliever. The second one we see in verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, it says we deceive ourselves. Now that Satan's issue with us is to deceive us. But right here, John says that, that we do the work for him. If those who, uh, are, who, who don't actually have a relationship with the Lord, who say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We take Satan out of the picture here. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Uh, I listen to, to other pastors. I listen to podcasts. But it's important that I, I'm, I'm defensive in that because I don't want to always just take somebody at their word because people are still sinful. People are, can be misleading. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing if you, if you listen to other pastors and listen. Man, incur, uh, do the same thing when you listen to me. If, 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 if you hear something that comes out of my mouth that seems weird, test me on that. First John 4 says, test the spirits to see whether they're from the Lord. Uh, some, one, one lady who, who preaches and she says some good things, but there are things that are really questionable is Joyce Meyer. And one of the things that she has come out and said is that she doesn't sin. She said she just decided that she doesn't sin anymore. Scripture clearly says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Somebody else who's made that claim recently is Donald Trump. And you know, I'm not going to condemn any of you if you voted for him. You have that freedom. But I want you to understand, to not, don't put your trust in him. 
Don't put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in other people because they're going to let you down. Put your trust ultimately in the Father who is sovereign and control everything. This is what Donald Trump said when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to the need of repentance. He said, he said this. He said, I'm not sure that I have. He said, I just try to do a better job from there. He said, I don't, so I don't think so. He said, I go to communion. He said, I go to church. And when, when I heard this, when I heard this, uh, this, this testimony of our president, my heart just kind of dropped. I was like, this guy doesn't know the Lord, and he's going to lead our country? And so I, I, hope you, I hope you pray for him. I don't know where you are in your political views. And, and look, I'm not trying to, to, to condemn you for anything. Just pray for your leaders. That's what Scripture tells us to do. But it's clear. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There are a lot of people, there might be people in this room who will admit that they make mistakes. I guarantee you every one of us in this room on some level admits that we're not perfect. But will you admit that you're worthy of the judgment of, and wrath of God? That because of the sin in your life, that you're worthy of every bit of the wrath of God? See, there are a lot of people who, who love the good things about Scripture. But when it comes to the wrath of God, they, they're, they're really going to push that they're really deep down a good person. So we look at this and say, we have those who say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. A lot of people who have good intentions and feel like they're better than they actually are, and it reminds me of a passage in Matthew where Jesus has this conversation with some religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, and he says, hey, come follow me. So Matthew repents, he comes and, and, and turns his life to follow Jesus. And because he does that, he throws a party for Jesus. And so somebody who's a tax collector, who is a sinful man, who is he going to invite to this party? Other sinful people. So Jesus is hanging out with the, this, this, this crowd, and the religious leaders hear about it. And say, so this is what they say. They say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus hears that, and he says, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. But then he says, for I came not to call the righteous but the sinners. And when Jesus says this in Matthew 9, that I came not to call the righteous but the sinners, he doesn't mean that there are some righteous that don't need to repent. He said there are people who think they're good enough that they don't need to repent. That's what he means. So I, I'm afraid there's a lot of people in our, our, our world and our culture, maybe even here today, that thinks that you're good enough that you don't need to repent. And John says pretty clearly that if you say you don't need to repent, you say that you don't have any sin in your life, that you don't need the Lord to cleanse. It says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. A couple things when the light of God presses on to the life of an unbeliever. One, when, the, when, the, when God is light, remember 1 John 1, 5, that God is light. When the light of God presses on to the heart of an unbeliever, a couple things happen. One, that person retracts back into darkness. So we have a lot of layers deep down, and a lot of times we don't want those layers exposed. And so when light comes on to us, we, we begin to re see the condition of our heart, and we don't like that. So we retreat. The only way Jesus can do anything for us, the only way Jesus can save us, is we've got to understand the condition of our heart. And so when the light comes in, we see the condition of our heart. One option is to retreat back into the darkness and to continue down that life of sin, to continue walking in, in darkness. Another thing that happens is that we feel like we're good enough. We feel like that our own righteousness is, 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 is enough. And so we say that we don't have sin that need. That, that is in need of, 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 of Jesus and his redemptive love. But the third thing that we can do, that an unbeliever can do when the light impresses in on him is, is to confess that. And that's what it says in 1 John 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
We can retreat back into the darkness and continue in this path. We can act like we're good enough or we can go to the Father and we can confess our sin. We can understand the condition of our heart and we confess that. And it says that He is faithful. This is a promise. We just got done singing that all of the promise of Promises of, of God are yes. That's, that's from 2 Corinthians 1.20 that says all the promises of, of God find their yes. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says if we say we have not sinned, verse 10, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So these are two indications of people who are spiritual, who claim to have some kind of relationship with the Lord but you can see in their life that they don't. The word and the truth is not in them. I want to keep going because we've got some hope in chapter 2. It says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Remember, he's writing this to a group of believers. It sounds like he's writing to unbelievers because of verses 6 and verses 8, but he's helping them understand the difference between those who are in Christ and those who are not. And he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, because we're not, even though we have the Holy Spirit in us, we still have this, this, this tendency, this prone-to-wonder mindset to, to go back to the flesh. He says, if you do sin... We have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Not only for us, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is some some good news. The gospel literally means good news. This is a good news for those of us in Christ. That we have somebody on our behalf. Advocate is, is a legal term. Somebody who goes before the court of justice on our behalf. This is Jesus. And usually... Usually, when you've got two, two reasons that somebody would go to the court on your behalf. One is because you're innocent. But we've clearly discussed that we're not innocent. We've, for all have sinned and fallen the short of the glory of God. So why is Jesus going on our behalf if we're not innocent? He's not pleading our innocence. He is arguing his propitiation. We've seen verse 2 that he is the propitiation of our sins. So he goes to the Father. He says, Lord, you can't hold Andrew's sin against him. I'm the substitutionary atonement for him. I have counted it as righteousness because I have taken the penalty and removed the wrath of God from him. So if we're not innocent, that's, that's what a lawyer does. He, he, he goes on behalf of the client. So if the person isn't innocent, usually they plead for mercy. Because if somebody's guilty of something, they try to be a, a little bit, get the, 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 the judge to be a little lenient. But this is not what Jesus does. He doesn't go to the Father and says, look, just withhold some of the wrath. He doesn't plead for mercy. He says, look, I've paid it in full. He says, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, this is good news. And because of this, we can have great confidence to go before the Lord. I want to continue just a little bit more. And in verse 3, it says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Understanding that the fruit of repentance leads to acts of boldness. The fruit of repentance leads to keeping his commands. He says, verse 3, And by this we know that we have repented. By this we know that we've turned from our sin. If we have this fruit in our life of, of keeping his commands. This we know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. He says, anyone who says I know him but doesn't keep his commands is a liar. So I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to pray in just a few moments. We're going to spend some time. We're going to sing. So I want to encourage you just to evaluate your life. Take a few moments. I want to encourage you because this is important that you see yourself in the condition of your heart. So a couple things here. One, you're going to see some fruit. You may not see some consistent fruit, but I want to encourage you to see if, if you're keeping his commands because it's going to show signs that you've actually repented of your sin, that you've had that change of heart. Because it says, it's, it's clear. It should be clear. It says that 
those born of God doesn't continue in that pattern of sin. So this morning, if, if you look at your life and there's no broken pattern of sin in your life, I want to encourage you to respond to the gospel, to call on the name of the Lord for forgiveness of sin, that go to the Lord and confess that, that you'd ask the Lord to come into your life and to change you, to begin that work of repentance in your life, to change your mind and your thoughts to the paths of righteousness that he's called us to, to, to step out in boldness and practice righteousness. This morning, if, if you know that for certain, that you've believed in the name of Jesus but you have some, some unconfessed sin, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to show you, to reveal to you where there, there may be some sin in your life that's kind of hidden deep so that you can bring that to light, so you can deal with that. Because when we have sin in our life, it, it, it messes with the fellowship that we have with the Father. And when we confess that, there's freedom there for the Lord to use you for His glory and for some good things. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for not leaving us like we are. Thank you for the hope, Lord, for going before us, before the Father, for being the advocate. Lord, removing the wrath of God from us. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here, Lord, after hearing the truth of the gospel, that if they have not called on your name, if they don't have that relationship with you, Lord, that you would speak truth into their life, that you would open their eyes to see the condition of their heart.
Cooper Mabry, he made a decision of Christ, understands the truth of the gospel. Baptism doesn't save us, but it's an outward symbol of the inward change in our life, representing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's because of your faith in Christ that baptizes you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's always awesome to see any believer